Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Just before we jump in, today's podcast is brought to you by my premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. Lean Gut Mind Method coaching service provides expertise, personalization, and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you're ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in, and the first program you will see lasting results from. Let us show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one coaching program at www.leangutmindmethod.com. Welcome to today's podcast on mental health and motivation. In the midst of COVID-19, Sydney-based mental health activist Zachary Deranowski found himself at breaking point. He had undergone ACL knee surgery, med school was challenging, he had a long-term relationship which has just ended, and he was unable to return home to Canada to see his family. With the hope of giving people a voice and the confidence that they are not alone in their struggles, Zach started sharing mental health content on TikTok. After posting many videos on mental health as MD motivator, Zach's following grew quickly to 1.5 million worldwide. Three months after starting TikTok, Zach formed the mental health movement, MHM, with the mission You Matter Most, a movement that seeks to normalize conversations around mental health and well-being. From MHM, Zach has started a mental health ambassadorship program, a podcast, a clothing line, and offers $1,000 scholarships for students experiencing mental health issues. TikTok has given Zach and the mental health movement a voice, along with an entire international community to listen. In today's podcast, Zach and I talk about anxiety and mental health. We talk about depression, perfectionism, and motivation. Please share this incredible episode on your Instagram stories and make sure you tag us. You can give Zach a follow on Instagram and TikTok. He is at MDMotivator and his website is Mental Health Movement, movement spelled MVMT.com. Welcome to our podcast, Zachary. We're really, really excited to have you on today chatting all about mental health and motivation. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. I'm really excited for today. Now, before we get into some of today's juicy content, Zachary, can you start off by telling our listeners um, a little bit about yourself and what sort of made you interested in this area of um, around mental health and motivation? So, hi, my name is Zachary Daranowski. I live in Sydney, Australia now, but I'm originally from Canada. So when I was 18 years old, I failed out of college. Uh, my dean told me I couldn't do university. My parents said move out. So I was really at an all-time low academically and from a mental health perspective at that point in my life. Over the next five, six years, I did everything I guess I could possible to prove people wrong. So another form of motivation, which I don't think is the healthiest, but got me to a point where I was a competitive medical school applicant. And my mom was like, Zach, you kind of have a story here because obviously the relationship was good by then. And I was like, maybe, yeah. So all I had known social media for was people who would put these filtered 
photos or filtered stories or these perceived highlight reels. So I wasn't really into social media as much, but I thought, why not? So one day I put out my transcripts, my freshman year transcripts. I had a 0.59 GPA, I had nine Fs, and I just put it up on an account. And one person from Vermont in the US reached out to me and he sent me a direct message and he shared a story and his struggle and he was real and vulnerable. And I was blown away that social media could be used for so much good. So once I had that relationship and saw the, the value in social media over the next four months, every single night, I hosted an Instagram live with either a medical student, a resident or a doctor from around the world. And I came to understand that there was this almost like continuum, like a mentor mentee continuum of exchanging knowledge and people who I aspired to become or that I looked up to they were much more open to share their adversities, their setbacks, and like this projection where they got to wasn't linear. Whereas people or people that were maybe a few years behind me were not open to that and really appreciated that. So I felt that the exchange of knowledge of paying it forward helped me create a formula that I still use today, which we're going to talk about with mental health. So the formula is vulnerability equals relatability equals empowerment. So when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you allow yourself to relate, therefore it allows other, yourself and others to be empowered to then do the same, whether it's from an academic standpoint with a college dropout or a mental health standpoint with getting support. So fast forward to January of 2020, I started medical school at Sydney University. COVID happened, so school went to online. I went, I had an ACL knee surgery, which at the time, working out, playing basketball, like physical activity, that was my outlet. I went through a six-year relationship breakup. At that point, I didn't recognize, but that was like my identity or my source of happiness. Medical school was challenging. I couldn't go home because of COVID. So all these things really just like came down on me to a breaking point. And that breaking point was like May or June of 2020. And at that point, I sought counseling services because I was like, okay, I can't feel like this. I'm not being unproductive. I'm in bed. I'm crying myself to sleep. I don't want to talk to anyone. It wasn't me. So I sought it, and one of the biggest pieces of advice they told me was to journal my thoughts and write out how, how I feel. So that instantly triggered in my mind. I was like, write out how I feel, share my thoughts. Why don't I share my thoughts on social media like I shared them with being a college dropout, how I feel. So then it was not to create mental health movement or connect with Jake or people like yourself. It was just to hopefully it would connect with one other person who was going through a difficult time during COVID, and then that kind of like snowballed to – where we're here today. So it wasn't a goal of creating anything. It was more so just sharing and creating a platform of openness and acceptance. I agree that I found whenever I sort of, um, I guess, share my own personal vulnerabilities online and with regards to nutrition, a lot of what I talk about is I'm not perfect and I enjoy a glass of wine and occasionally I overeat my meals as well or I go out and I don't choose the best option off the menu and that's real life and, you know, dietitians aren't always perfect and I find that those posts relate so much more than the posts about how to, you know, eat in a calorie deficit or what are protein-containing foods. Like people respond best when we're real and we're human, don't they? 100%. 100%. And I think social media gives you this, like I said, this false sense of like reality, whether it's I need to study 16 hours a day because I'm seeing these aesthetic study accounts, or I need to work out eight hours a day, or I can't have a cheat meal or finances or whatever niche you want to look on social media. It's this ultimate goal that's unrealistic. So you're always going to fall short no matter how far you've come. So I think 
surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are on the same mission. Because people ask me all the time, okay, what's your goal with like what you're doing online? It's my goal has always been to empower people or help people. And if there's been opportunities that allow that, then okay, one day at a time, one goal at a time. You have to be okay with where you're currently at, whether it's from a diet standpoint or a mental health standpoint. Embrace the journey and find people around you that are your tribe or the same vibration as you. Yeah, so powerful. And I I guess that really comes back to even like gratitude. Like one of the things I try to teach my clients is to wake up every morning and at least find one thing, just one thing that you're grateful for. Even if you had a terrible night's sleep, be grateful that you woke up with a roof over your head because some people don't have that luxury. Or even if you, you know, you wake up and you want to go to the gym and it's pouring rain and you're like, oh, now I can't go to the gym or go for a run. Be grateful that, you know, you woke up with your health this morning. Like there's so many opportunities that we have in our life to be grateful for. And I think that gratitude and mental health um, can really go hand in hand as well, can't they? Yeah. Gratitude, mental health, grounding exercises to allow you to shift your perspective of whatever the reality you perceive with the stress and the anxiety of life. It can really pessimistically put you in a bad place of your perspective. But if you can find something that allows you to shift and be grounded and be in the moment, you can really see it for what it is and how great we truly all do have it. Wonderful. And speaking of great, Zachary, your social media platforms are incredible. Like you've gone viral online and I love this, not for these like, you know, perfectly edited selfies or anything like that, but you've gone viral online for talking about mental health, something that is so incredibly important. So honestly, I commend you for this. I think that what you're doing is, is just amazing. And I'm so honored to have you on the show today. Um, but do you feel that there is still that little bit of, I guess, like stigma attached to mental health? Do you think that so Social media is is helping us to break down some of these stigmas around mental health that say, you know, five or 10 years ago, we didn't see that many people talking about mental health online, did we? Yeah, I think the whole age of social media, but specifically, I think 2020 and COVID has created this openness of people speaking about it, whether in meme culture or real support culture. Yeah, the mental health awareness is much greater than it was, say, in 2019. But I don't think tangible resources and techniques and, okay, you're struggling, but like, what can I actually do about it? I feel like that's where it's going, but I don't think, I think it's lacking. But think about it, right? Like before this whole last 18 months, you would be busy in your nine to five job, picking up your kids and go, 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 go. And you never let your mind stop and think, holy shit, am I actually happy? Am I actually doing the right things in my life? Who am I, right? Like real deep questions that we've been able to suppress with our schedules. But now I think people are making these big ultimate life shifts or drastic life changes over the last year. And people are like, oh my God, why are you doing all these things? It's because I think people are finally listening to themselves and whether they're struggling with mental health or not, I think that COVID, I guess the silver lining is people have become more self-aware because of it. Yeah. And I agree. And I think the silver lining again with COVID, I'm someone that I love um, just walking and thinking about the silver linings and mental health, even in the last year with, you know, I think we fared really, really well over here in Australia. We, we had, you know, barely any lockdowns, you know, Melbourne sort of excluded from that poor Melbourne, (laughs) but um, we've, we've sort of done well as a country overall. Right. And I, I remember thinking at the start of COVID and even now I see so many people and families out walking way more than I ever did. People just enjoying the fresh air, getting out with family, walking with their kids, the kids are on bicycles. It's lovely to 
seen. I didn't see that, you know, two years ago. As you mentioned, we live in this such fast paced world that people forget that walking can be incredibly fun and joyful. And it's a great way to de-stress after a long, hard day. You know, people are cooking at home a lot more because a lot of the restaurants and cafes were closed for so long. So I think that, as you mentioned, the silver lining of COVID, there were some really great things to come out of um, what has been a really, really tough one, one and a half years for a lot of people that some of us have rediscovered some of those simple pleasures in life and how important it is to actually take care of our mental health and just hit pause for a second and slow down because often you know, we get to the point where we're absolutely burnt out or we have a total breakdown to realize that our body's been screaming at us for months, um, you know, saying, slow down, slow down. But we just haven't tuned in enough to recognize that until we hit total burnout or, you know, total breakdown. Absolutely. Fully agree with that. So in terms of anxiety and mental health, can you let our listeners know exactly what anxiety is and some signs of what you call high functioning anxiety? Because I remember seeing a post on um, one of your TikToks, one of your TikToks popped up on my FYU page and I was like, oh man, that TikTok algorithm is real specific today (laughs) because I never really thought of myself as someone who had suffered from anxiety in the past. And looking back on that, I've been very open about my sort of type A perfectionist personality. And as a child, I remember seeing something that said if you constantly have this fear of like your loved ones dying or getting sick I remember as a child in around grade five or six I had this period of a couple of months where I would fake that I was sick in order to go home because I thought that one of my loved ones had died and looking back now I can realize that that was anxiety that I suffered as a child but I never really told anyone about that or really thought any more about that until I saw some of your wonderful posts on social media talking about that so can we dive a little bit deeper into anxiety and mental health and what are some of those signs of more high functioning anxiety that some people might not even recognize absolutely um so in regards to what is anxiety First and foremost, I am not a qualified healthcare practitioner, so I like to speak from either personal experience or anecdotal experiences of others that are really close to me. That's not my, my, my play right now in regards to speaking on mental health, unfortunately, not as of yet. So when I think of anxiety from a personal standpoint, it's something that it causes me to overthink, whether it's negative intrusive thoughts, whether it's thinking about the worst possible case scenario, whether it's people pleasing, whether it's, I can't say no. And all these things relate to high functioning anxiety. High functioning anxiety is actually not a clinical diagnosis. It is a term that's being created a few years ago. And I think there's a fine line. So I've had a little bit of, I guess, hate. So I guess anytime you grow on social media, you're always going to get trolls from like user Mm -hmm. (laughs) 5682468 on TikTok. So (laughs) I think there's a fine line, high functioning anxiety or anxiety of when to go seek support versus everyday anxiety. When you notice that it is negatively impacting your everyday life, that is the sign to go seek the support. If it's something that happens from here and there, you can kind of relate, great. But you, you, fi- you have things that are tools that help you manage it, awesome. But if you find that it's causing you, like you said, when you were in the fifth or sixth grade, to change your academic schedule, to change the way you think about your relationship with your family or the, with your thoughts in your head on a daily basis, okay, that if you feel comfortable, which I hope you, you, you do now or that you did at the time, seek support. And when you say seek support, um, there's so many different avenues you can take for whether it's anxiety or mental health as a whole, right? Professional support, your parents, your friends, uh, your teachers. It's not about finding, I think, 
the right one. I think it's about finding someone that you trust and that is a, is a good listening ear. I learned a lot about mental health over the past year with the posts that I create. It's about giving people a voice to be validated and empathize and listen to, not always having the right solutions. I think that is so much strength in that and everyone can do that. But I think that me personally, uh, with everything that I've done, it's like whenever there's a problem, I always want to fix it. Sometimes I think it's sitting with the problem and really like meditating on it as opposed to always trying to have a solution. I'm going a little off tangent here, but I kind of want to bring that into another story that I have. So when I was 24, I had a life-threatening DVT, a blood clot in my upper arm, and it took the doctors 12 hours to like diagnose it because three ultrasounds came back negative. And at that point, I was Googling, how do you how do you fix a blood clot? How do you solve it? Obviously, right, WebMD, that's where I go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Googling it. Um, and one of the things they said was you can give you can give thrombolytics, uh, mm-hmm. which would dissolve the blood clot, meaning that there'd be no scar tissue in my veins, meaning there'd be no long-term damage, which I do unfortunately now have. But you can only give the thrombolytics three to four hours after the blood clot. Otherwise, there's a potential for brain bleed and you can die. But in my mind, when that happened was like, okay, I'm not going to brain bleed. I'm not going to die. Just give me the thrombolytics so I don't have these problems. And through my own health concern, I've learned that whether it's in medicine or life, there's not always a solution or there's not always a quick fix. And sometimes meditating with it and accepting it for what it is, there's beauty in that, like living in the gray, so to speak, right? Not the black and the white. So that kind of shifted how I see the world from, I guess, physical perspective. But now I guess in terms of just like me personally, who's struggling with anxiety or always needing things to be done. What happens if I don't do my to-do list? What happens if I go to bed anxious? Like, finding ways, and we can speak about ways to reduce anxiety in the way I see things. I'm going to bring you back to that gray area in between, because that's something from a nutrition perspective that I always talk about as well. You know, not trying to be like on the diet or off the diet or do this perfectly or don't do it at all. Just trying to find those little bits of progress throughout our day where, okay, if you want to have a burger for dinner, can we add some salad to it? If you want to go out for some pizza and cocktails, um, you know, can we have just two slices of pizza and some some veggies on the side or something like that in order to find that balance or what I call that kind of gray area in between. So I love that. And when you mentioned in regards to mental health, I'm very much a fixer as well. That's my personality. If someone comes to me with a problem, I want to fix things. But I do believe that I've gotten a lot better at this over the years is just sitting back and learning to listen. Because from my perspective, I've always found that with mental health, sometimes it's not about fixing it. It's just about listening and and letting that person speak and i'm sure that you find that with your your posts on social media as you mentioned it's just an outlet for so many people to know that they're not alone and um they can talk about it and it's okay to feel this way isn't it because that's what mental health is a lot of the time it's a journey it's not something that's kind of fixed and it goes away forever right that's so spot on and i feel like you with with the nutrition and the aspect of okay i want to have a burger i want to have a slice of pizza okay life happens, right? It's not this, if we don't hit this perfect point, it's a failure. How can we find a moderation or how can we find a balance? Because it's it's a journey, right? Like you said it yourself, it's, it's a process. Totally. Yes. Yes. And I do think that, you know, there will be a lot of people who will tune into this podcast and go, oh, I can't wait for Zachary to give me like the magic fix. But I think it's so important that we're talking about that sometimes mental health you know, there's not always a quick fix solution. It's something that really needs to be worked on long term. And there's so many different solutions that can 
can help so many different people, aren't they? Just because one thing helps someone, just like nutrition and diet, doesn't mean that it's going to work for you or doesn't mean that it's going to help you. We all need our own personalized solutions and those solutions can be very different depending on the day or the time or the situation. And I think developing that individualized toolbox for you, that's the challenge because I can't imagine like some people who struggle with suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation or eating disorders in the past and trying these things and these coping mechanisms of these techniques are not working to have the confidence to keep proceeding or keep trying new things with that open mind and really trying to make things work. But inevitably you will find that toolbox that works for you and you will find that support system that's you trust in and you can confide in and having that is everything. So from an anxiety standpoint, knowing I have these techniques or these people reduces my anxiety immediately, right? Knowing that there's solutions to the potential problem is huge as well. So I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And really comforting to know that as well, because anxiety is one of those funny ones where if you kind of mention it to some people, they're like, well, just calm down or like take a deep breath or just like chill out. You'll be fine, bro. Kind of thing. Like anxiety is not that simple. It's not enough to just say to someone, just chill out or take a deep breath. You'll be okay. Because, you know, sometimes anxiety is so overwhelming that as you mentioned, like people just, they just want to be heard. They just want to talk it through, or they just want someone to know that this is how they're feeling and they don't need to be fixed. They just want to, you know, be able to share that. So if there is anyone listening at home who themselves suffers from anxiety, like you and I both, or if there's, you know, loved ones that do, what are some things that we can give them? Or what are some of those tools that you mentioned in your toolbox, things that have helped you along um, your journey? Yeah. So for me, Personally, I like to write down my thoughts. So although I do create TikToks, I still write down my thoughts because my issues was, okay, I have three thoughts going through my head. They repeat a hundred times. I have 300 thoughts potentially and no solutions. So I notice if I write down, okay, A, one, two, and three, then I'll put what's one step I can take for number one? What's one step I can take for number two? What's one step I can take for number three? So knowing there's only three issues, seeing them physically, and then knowing a very simple, oh, that's easy. I can do that. Um, For each of those three things helps put my mind at ease. I know for a lot of people, they like box breathing, or I know meditations help me a lot as well. I do that in the morning now with Headspace or Calm. Music helps a lot of people. Cooking, I can't cook. I wish I could. Art (laughs) is another really calming thing. But I think from minus the journaling idea, I think the other things I was listing there were all things that allow you to, I guess, distract your mind and be in the moment and do something you love doing or finding that temporary outlet or laying on the cold ground for five minutes. I know that helps a lot of people as well of feeling the cold. There's another thing called the five, four, three, two, one technique. You guys can Google that after if you want to check that out. That helps a lot of people. But for me, from the anxiety standpoint, my biggest issue is overthinking and then the worst possible case scenario. So by creating that list and one tangible thing I can do for them, that personally is like my number one thing for my toolbox. I would actually like to know, Leanne, what's like your biggest issue around anxiety? And then what do you do to like hopefully resolve it or mediate it? 
So mine is probably linked back to that perfectionism, always wanting to do more and be more and give more and help more. And I think for me, just spreading myself far too thin where I kind of overcommit myself and then I get super anxious because I'm like, oh my goodness, like I've, I've done too much. I'm going to let people down. I'm going to, you know, I, I said yes to this, but I can't do it. What's someone going to think of me? And so for me, I very much, I'm a big believer in writing things down as well. And I do it from the perspective that I write it down on paper and then I try to give myself like I try to give someone else objective feedback. Like I think of this, like what if my best friend had come to me and asked me about this? Or what if a client had come to me, what would I say to them? So I write those thoughts down on paper and then I try to give myself objective feedback around that. So I find that that's something that um, has helped me a lot in the past um, in terms of sometimes when I just get all up in my head, sort of like you, I, I jump to the worst case scenario. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get fired from my job or my friend's going to hate me or I'm just going to be a terrible person or you know I posted that thing online I get a lot of anxiety around social media as well with comments you know people can say whatever online to you or sometimes I'll say something just you know off the cuff and I'm like oh maybe someone misinterpreted that or maybe someone thought something like this and that tends to just make my mind run and think of a million different thoughts and I'm like no my goal every single day with social media is to wake up and help just one person just one person around the world so if I've done that I've done my job. If I have set someone by accident or I accidentally, you know, offended someone else, then that's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. Hopefully I still helped one person out there. So just trying to do that reframe in my mind. But sometimes, as I mentioned, it's too difficult for me to do in my head. So writing that down on paper and seeing that um, for what it is and kind of objectively trying to give myself some feedback, I found has been really, really helpful for me as well. Um, and you did mention to-do lists. And I must admit, I'm someone who's like, my life runs by my to-do list. And that used to give me a lot of anxiety because I would carry things over. And some days there'd be 23 things on my to-do list. And I'm like, how am I going to get everything done? So a business coach taught me to almost like a traffic light system. So the red things that absolutely need to be done. So today, Zachary, we had a podcast booked in at a certain time. I'm like, that was red for me. I'm not going to change it. That's locked into my calendar. Then I have the orange things, the things that I would really like to get done, but the world's not going to stop if I don't get them done. And then there are um, the red things where you know, it'd be nice in an ideal world to get this done, but if they don't happen, I can do them another day or I can do them next week. So really putting, I guess, like priorities around my to-do list, not just leaving 23 things on there, because again, that just is just going to heighten my anxiety. So that's another strategy I found to break it down into sort of like urgent, would be nice to do and can do another day. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's like triaging in the emergency room, right? <laughs> yeah, Prioritizing yeah. patients based off need, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, I fully agree with that. I love that idea. I'm actually going to steal that from you. If that's cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. It really, really helps. Cause I'm someone that I think from my anxiety, if I don't write something down, I almost think that I'll forget to do it rather than very much because everything's in my to-do list and I'm such a, you know, perfectionist. I've got a paper to-do list and a, you know, online calendar kind of to-do list. And I think that if I forget to write it down, I won't do it. So I just put everything down there that needs to be done, whether it's today or whether it's in a month's time, just so I don't forget. But without realizing it, that was actually causing me more anxiety than less. I thought I was adding it on there so I didn't forget. So that would lessen my anxiety. But over time, I just kept adding all of these things to it. And yeah, I ended up with a lot more anxiety. So breaking that down into, you know, today's must do's, nice to do's, and then can wait for another day um, has been really helpful for me. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to take that. I love the red, yellow, green light approach. So it's, <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> 
Love it. And then I was looking on, um, I think it was a psychologist page. I think it was someone that you recommended actually and having a little bit of a flick through. And she was talking about um, there being a little bit of like new research around screen time limits. So I'm sure that we can both agree that social media is so wonderful for so many things, particularly, you know, talking around mental health and and making it more um, something that, yeah, we talk about all the time. So it's, it doesn't have that stigma attached to it. But there's also a downside to social media where there's a lot of comparison. You know, we only see the person perfect version of people. Do you recommend screen time limits in terms of mental health or do you think that the the pros of social media outweigh the negatives? What are your thoughts around how much time we spend online? I think screen time is the same as your diet, right? Everything is good in moderation or everything's okay in moderation. So I think it's about first and foremost, you can't be on t- social media for 10 hours a day looking at the greatest content in the world and still think that that's good for your mental health. There comes up obviously like a breaking point. So from my personal standpoint, because I have to be on there a lot, unfortunately, I set a two-hour time limit of screen time on my phone because I would find when I was at home or like in Zoom class, you just immediately gratify to go look at your phone or just scroll or just – so I found that two hours is the good point for me, probably about an hour of that time I'm either creating content or posting content, responding to comments or DMs, but and then an hour just I guess – an hour (laughs) it flies by but i definitely think you need to find a restriction that works with you and your schedule what's your thoughts leanne how how long do you think i haven't looked i saw what i saw the question before we did this episode and i don't personally know of any research i imagine there's tons of research of certain time limits and how it impacts your mental health I do remember reading um, screen time limits just in terms of general screen times for children like from a just a general health perspective i think it's oh gosh, I'm going to totally butcher this, maybe like one or two hours a day. And I think it very much depends on the age. You know, there are screen time limits if you're four, you you got a four-year-old child versus a 14-year-old child. Um, And I think it is getting really hard because I know that even, you know, kids in primary school, they're meant to buy laptops and they they need to be on their screen even in school. Like gone are the days of lugging around, what, six kilos of textbooks in your backpack. Most kids are completely on laptops or on computers in, in a lot of schools these days. So they're already on the screen, but they're learning versus, I guess, like, screen time for enjoyment. Um, and you could argue that, you know, social media is a lot about learning as well. I've learned so many wonderful things from social media. So I do agree that like everything, there's that, there's that limit isn't there. Like I can, that easy tipping point between being good for us and then tipping over and kind of negatively affecting us as well. So I personally try to only spend, these days I'm a lot less online because I must admit, I think I have spread myself a bit too thin in terms of all the things that I would like to do. So I'm sort of at around that hour and I actually haven't posted on Instagram, I think for over a week now, which is unusual for me, but um, I sort of find that, yeah, social media is like a rabbit hole for me. Like the more time I spend on them, the more I go down this rabbit hole and it makes it harder to come out. And then I'm on some 14 year old's TikTok page who's doing this crazy dance, this awesome beat. And I'm like, how did I even get here? Like what is happening? (laughs) What have I done? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, time to call it. (laughs) So I do like your idea of setting that limit on your phone so that you can just have that off switch in the kind of like a timer goes up and it's like, okay, I'm done now versus I don't have that. So it takes me to get to some randos page, you know, like 11 PM at night before I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) So I do think screen limits are important. If we're going to talk about screen limits and I guess productivity. So I don't know what your percentage of people that are generation Z or younger listeners you are, but I found that over the last year when I was studying, it was really challenging to study from home. Uh, This can help some one person. Great. I created a group called 
the Pomodoro Babies. So on Instagram, I created an Instagram called the Pomodoro Babies. It's still a thing. You can check it out. Um, essentially, what it is, it is a free Zoom. It runs every day from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, in Australia time zone. But essentially what it is, it's a support system. We use a thing called Pomodoro study technique. And the study technique can be used for any goals that you set realistically that you need to get a lot of work done. So what it is, is you study for 25 minutes and then, or do your work 25 minutes, then you take a five minute break. And then we did six intervals of that with like five or 10 minute breaks in between to connect or whatever. But I found that what it does is you can download an app. There's two apps called the Forest app or Flora app on your phone. And that will block your phone from like doing anything. It's just like a timer and the forest one. So if you hit like the 25 minute goal or 30 minutes, whatever the time you set, it plants trees, real trees in South America. Yeah. So you can like keep track of how many trees you plant versus your friend. And it's a really good way of, I guess, restricting your screen time, but also still being, I guess, on a zoom screen or whatever screen you have to be to be productive with work or school. Um, the Pomodoro technique, and then aligning that with the support system and the accountability of others doing the same thing. And you can kind of be unstoppable from home. So that helped me a lot. If that may help someone, check it out. Yeah, I love that. And actually, I've been using the Forest app for quite a while. And just the competitiveness in me, like if you pick up your phone, say you set a timer for 30 minutes for our listeners at mm-hmm. home, um, and you pick up your phone within 15 minutes and you go to like read a text or something that you've got, you don't get to plant that tree. So I almost feel like I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm killing a tree or I didn't do my, you know, like it makes me feel really bad inside. So I'm like, no, I want to continue to plant as many trees. So it really does help with that motivation to study or do that thing that, you know, often we're looking for that motivation. And I find for me, that app is actually really motivating because I'm like, I actually want to plant as many trees. So I'm giving back. And, you know, they always say doing something for someone else always makes you feel 10 times better than doing something for yourself. So I love that app. I think it's, it's really, really helpful, but I've never actually thought about it to use um, in terms of like studying and particularly in a group environment. So I think that that's an awesome um, initiative as well. Thank you. Yeah. I, I found that it, like I created it to help me, but it's fortunately helped other people as well. So like I'm not even part of like the group still runs like I don't run it but if anyone wants like I said it's Pomodoro Babies on Instagram there's a private Zoom like link and password so if if you're struggling with studying or just need to get work done at a desk and you just need to be I guess held accountable like like you would be in the gym with a gym partner or a gym mm-hmm. trainer or a nutrition nutritionist and having that support system universally with COVID that's a good way of doing it or uh, you could just start one with your friends too but I think that helps a lot. Oh, Zachary, that's an epic idea. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, no worries. Now we're going to change track a little bit and talk about something that's a little bit more heavy. So in terms of mental health and depression. So this is a really difficult one. And of course, as you mentioned, we're not here giving out medical advice. We're not trained psychologists. So we would absolutely always recommend that people link in with a trained health professional, such as a psychologist. But can we talk about some signs to share with our listeners to show them that, you know, recovering from something like depression is doable. And there are some small little signs that you mentioned on your TikTok um, in terms of showing people that they were actually recovering. And that was a really powerful one. I remember you mentioned um, smiling with your eyes. So being, you know, not just smiling at someone, but actually being so genuine that it kind of lights up your whole face and your, your eyes light up and you're smiling with your eyes. So what are some other ways that we can let our listeners know in terms of maybe your own personal journey or someone that you know that has shown signs of progress in terms of recovery where you might not might not feel that progress but you might be able to see it from the outside in if that makes sense 
So I think when we talk about depression, I think it's kind of an overkill now. People know it's not just this ultimate sadness, right? It's this numbness or lacking. You want to be connected to people, but you also want to be alone. Like that, that, I guess, that contrast. And it's a really challenging time. And I think when you recognize that you're making progress or you're getting better, I think it's kind of the opposite, right? So you notice that, okay, say if I'm at, I'm a, I'm a trades worker and I've been suffering with depression or just, I guess, an acute state of depression for the last few weeks. And I've been having lunch in my car as opposed to lunch in the, the workroom. I'm going back to the workroom for lunch or I'm responding to texts from family or friends that maybe I'd put off that night or that day because I'm just in a really bad place or I'm not isolating myself in my room and I, and I want to get outside more or I'm doing the things that I love. I find that a lot of the time people that I've talked to that have suffered with depression, they just stop doing the, like they don't have any passion for doing the things they love. They used to love doing. So it's not even about their nine to five. Like a lot of people with depression, they still do the bare minimum or the requirements that life forces mm-hmm. them. And it takes so much energy and like, like with inside them when they get home, they're just dead on exhausted and they don't want to think about anything. They don't want to do anything. And they just want to, be alone. So I find that when you notice that you're starting to, I guess, do those things again that you love, you're noticing that you have more energy, mm. you're just noticing that you want to socialize more. I don't think it's one thing. I think things start to come together when you do are doing the right things with whether they're like building the toolbox, seeking the support system, that all those other things just start to come together at once. You're not just isolating how to be social again or how to start loving to hike again it just they come together so yeah i think there's no one answer to how do you notice that like like you're smiling with your eyes there's no one answer i think it's more just a bunch of anecdotal examples of the progression that happens over time and a lot of times you're not even aware of it i think a lot of the times with like the quotes i put up or the the videos i put people are like yeah those are the thoughts that's exactly how i feel i just never put like words to my thoughts and I think it's just like because a lot of the times we're just so caught up in the past or the future that we're not even aware of, of how we feel or how we think or if we're progressing or if we're stagnant or going down that rabbit hole um, in terms of our own mental health stuff. So. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, as you mentioned, like something that's really important is people knowing that they are progressing because that it's so important, even for our mental health, isn't it? Knowing that we've actually taken, even if it's just one small step forward, we're actually making that sign of progress. So recognizing some of those things, even if they're little things like you mentioned or little things here and there, it's nice to always know that we are progressing or we are moving forward in sort of any aspect of our life. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think like a lot of times when you struggle with depression or mental health, people say just just go outside, go for a walk or cook something or call your family or loved ones. And like people with depression aren't dumb, right? Like <laughs> you're aware of what you should be doing or what things that help. It's the fact that you don't want to do those things, right? So when you find yourself, I guess, volunteeringly like doing one or two of those things, that's a huge sign that you're progressing, right? You're taking that next step, even though that step is quote unquote, common sense, you're doing the things. And I think that's everything. So be really like your gratitude and, and appreciative of how far you've come. And if you're making any signs, be so proud of, of where you're at and that it's a journey and that 
you will get through this. And as one of my good friends, who's also a mental health activist in New Zealand, Jazz Dorn, her, her saying is hope is real, right? Change is possible. So I think knowing that one day at a time and any progression is progression. I love that. And I like how we keep linking this back to, you know, different tools in our toolbox because we are all so different and we've all experienced such different things that we do need so many different tools. And something that's really helped me in the past and what I talk to my clients about, even just in terms of nutrition, is celebrating what I call the small wins. So I get my clients to keep a journal. And in the back part of that journal, they can, you know, write down any of their thoughts, journal them, try to flip them into more negative things, be, you know, write down some gratitude. But in the front part of the journal, every single day, we write down one small win. And even if it's the smallest thing, if you're suffering from depression, it could be, I got up out of bed and I washed my face and then I went back to bed. But you know, you got up out of bed and you washed your face. That's a small win. Or it could be that you put on some clean clothes today, or you went for a walk outside, even if it was just five minutes to like the end of the block and you came back again. Celebrating and focusing on those small wins is something that's always helped me to see that progress and keep moving forward with progress. Because I think that, as you mentioned, when you can't see it, it's really difficult to come, you know, come out of that rabbit hole, come out of that darkness if you can't see that you are taking small steps. So I like to get my clients to keep a wins journal. And sometimes it's just about nutrition, but other times that they they link it into mental health. And that's, that's, you know, the best thing about it. It doesn't have to be one thing or another. It can just be wins for life in general, no matter how small they are. So that's the tool that's really helped me. Would you like to share with our listeners, Zachary, um, some of the other tools in your toolbox that have helped you? Can I replicate your tool? Because I love that. And actually, I want to share something with you. So Mm -hmm. June of last year, when I was at my lowest, um, probably like June, July, and August. So for three months, every single day on TikTok, I would go live for 10 minutes. And it wouldn't call it small wins, but I guess we'll call it small wins live. And what I would do is I would lay in my bed and I would just like, I guess, be vulnerable, show how messy my room is. And I would do one thing. So I would sometimes I would clean up my room or I would take my laundry that I haven't done in like 10 days. And I would go on live and okay, guys, we're going to wash our laundry. Who needs to wash their laundry or just something. And I would do that every single day. And I found that through me just being like this, I guess, raw, <laughs> like I'm not filtering. There's no ring light. This is like my life, mm-hmm. my reality. Like, mm-hmm. I've had a really tough day. You guys want to grab a glass of water? Let's drink water together or let's let's do our laundry or let's make our bed or let's vacuum our floor. Just something where we're getting up and doing the small wind, so and so to speak, like you said. I thought that was monumental for people would message me the next day or saying, Hey, I know after we did this that you went and did this, but I actually got all this done. And it's just amazing to see how like the momentum can take over, right? In any aspect of life. So I replicated what you kind of did in a similar way without knowing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we're definitely on the same bandwidth, which is awesome. And then let's chat a little bit about that momentum and that motivation, because I get questions all the time. And again, it's it's within the realm of you know nutrition, fitness, um, health. But it's always like, Leanne, how do I how do I get motivation? I struggle with motivation. I start to eat healthy, and then it comes to like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I don't have any motivation, so I go and eat a bunch of junk food or something like that. So I've always said to clients that it's not actually about finding the motivation; it's about taking that first step as we mentioned like writing down that one small step that one small win just doing something small which leads to momentum which in many cases creates that motivation so how do you feel about motivation and what do you say to people who say you know Zachary I'm really struggling with motivation today I've got nothing left what would you suggest or what are some tools in your toolbox yeah so two and a half years ago 
um, or two years ago, I created the Instagram with Motivator, right? I actually don't like the word motivation at all. And I know your previous guests, me and her, have actually chatted before about motivation versus, I guess, persistency, consistency, and like that, the pros and cons of both. Motivation, unfortunately, comes and goes, right? It's It comes in waves. Whereas consistency and persistency, that's how you really get those long-term goals, whether it's losing 100 pounds or saving a $10,000 or getting the grade that you want to get long-term over a four-year bachelor's degree, right? Motivation can't carry you through those whole times. Sure, it's helping. It's a good little win push, but I think it's about finding your purpose. It's about helping others. I think it's about having the accountability, like we said, with like the Pomodoro group. And accountability can be through like others doing similar goals and then a support system to be able to fall back on. And I guess, okay, I'm not motivated. I'm having a really difficult time with these subjects. Um, I'd love to talk to you guys about it. And just having that ability to open up and empathize. Okay, these are the difficult times. Okay, see, get a tutor or get a nutritionist or join a study group of five other people and recognizing that like, you're not alone. Like I know mental health is like the goal here, but like what I speak about mental health isn't mental health. It's just like, it's life. Whether it's like the diet, that's why I always try to like, I guess, bring Mm -hmm. it back to what you're doing and just, academics or whatever it's about accountability support system and being persistent and consistent and as cliche as it sounds you can do anything within reason of course but like truly can so don't let motivation intrinsic or extrinsic be your one and only way to get to where you want to get to there's more there and i think it starts with your purpose and hopefully that it helps others Absolutely. And I know that for you and me both, our purpose is just aiming to help one person every day. And that's such a, it's such a simple purpose. Cause for me, it's, it's opening the door for somebody. If I'm at the grocery store or it's, you know, if I see a little old lady across the street, it's asking if she's a right or if she wants to grab my elbow or something like that. It can be as simple as that, or it could be something that I'm doing online or somebody tunes into a podcast episode, which I'm sure. And I really hope that this podcast episode helps, you know, thousands of people as well, but if you just have that small amount of purpose where it's just aiming to help one person or just be a really good human for one day, it really does make the world of difference to to set up those behaviors because it's it's driving you from an internal perspective rather than an external sort of um, purpose, isn't it? Because a lot of people, you know, that as you said, motivation, it doesn't last. It, it, it comes and it goes in waves. But if we have that internal driving factor from having a purpose every day, um, that's life changing, isn't it? Yes. And there's one more thing I want to hit on because I hate when people say, find your purpose, find your passion. That's very cliche of me to say. And I apologize to the listeners and to yourself. Easier said than done. How do I find my purpose? And I think it's this backwards philosophy is experimenting, sort of like when we talk about like the mental health of the toolbox, trying a hundred different things. Mm -hmm. Okay. I tried a hundred different passions, 99 of them I don't like. Okay. I'm left with this one. Oh, I really like this one in comparison to the others. Versus how the school system, I feel like, raises us in high school. Okay, you're really good academically. You're really good in the sciences. Okay, become a doctor. Your passion is because you're good in the sciences or because the perceived expectations of others or whatever it is. And that's why I think co-oping or volunteering or working in multiple industries or jobs is so important because you find Mm. what you don't like to find what you do like. And that, I think, helps helped me a lot when I was older. But I, I think that's important to say. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I remember I did my, um, just to tell a little personal story here, I did my um, 
I think it was year 11 or year 12, we did like, it's called a work experience practice. So you go off to a, a workplace for a week and you spend the week there and you see if that's something that you like. And I did mine with a sports physiotherapist and that was my dream. You know, originally I wanted to be a doctor, then I wanted to be a flight attendant. I was too tall. Then I wanted to be a physio and I landed in dietetics and I did my placement at the physio and I was like, this is it. This is my path. This is what I want to do. And being a sports physio, she would have a lot of athletes in. So they might come in with say an, an injury or a torn muscle to their right leg, for example. So she would get me to just uh, massage their left leg just to sort of get a feel for massage and therapy and, and that sort of thing. And I remember after spending a whole week, I was probably only maybe 16, 17 years old, like leaning over a, a bed massaging. And I was like, my fingers are not strong enough for this. My back hurts. I'm super tall. So like leaning down all day, I was like, this is not the career for me. So I quickly figured out that although it's something that I love and I think would be a really cool job, practically, I don't think, I think I would have massive back problems by now if, if I hadn't been a sports physio you know, for the last 10 years. So I'm really glad that I got that hands-on experience, as you mentioned, you know, volunteering and just jumping in and having a go at something um, is so important to realize if it's something that we do truly love. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful example, right? Because you have this perceived, like I'm working with athletes on a day-to-day basis as a physio and it's, it's great. But like, if you just have that, I guess, that thought process and you just go through your schooling and you get it all done, and you're done. And then it's like, okay, I don't want to do this the next 30, 40 years of my life. I wish I would have volunteered or did the work uh, experience earlier, right? So that's the biggest thing to Gen Z or anyone that's watching. Try to get your hands on, whether it's from a clinical standpoint with medicine, whether it's a trades worker and, and volunteering, or however you volunteer work, whatever your schedule and obviously the workforce allows you to do. But get experience to find out what you don't like, to find out what you do. And then our last thing I really, really want to talk about with you, Zachary, is around perfectionism. And this one hits home really hard for me. I've talked about it a lot of my podcasts before. What are your top tips for overcoming this, um, I guess, perfectionism and type A personality where we feel like if we don't do something perfectly, we've failed. And that can be related to, you know, studying and, you know, reading an assignment right down to every single like full stop and capital letter and, you know, doing it like that or with our nutrition and our diet. It's like if we're not 100% on point, it's like we failed and we're completely off the rails and eating and drinking whatever we want. So how do you overcome perfectionism if you yourself suffer from a little bit of it? I suffer from perfectionism. I actually don't have a toolbox for perfectionism. I'm willing to hear everything that you maybe like found that's helped you. But from my standpoint, like it could be anything, right? I find that people who suffer from perfectionism, like myself, I'll just speak from a personal standpoint, the more successful I am in something, the higher the bar is set for everything that follows it. And it's just this never ending cycle of it has to be more, has to be more. It can't be the same. Even if that was like six months ago, I would have like been euphoric if I would have reached that goal. But now that I've hit it, it has to be higher. Or my goal has to be higher. Oh no, my friend, Billy, he's a little higher. Even though we're both super high, I have to be higher than Billy. And just always either. So I think it comes down to being okay with where you're at, how far you've come. So I, I think being aware. So what I do a lot of the times to my really good friends here in Sydney, we set goals and we talk about goal setting and what we want to accomplish by June and July or whatever the month is of that month. And we just, every once in a while, I'm like, Fabio, think about, remember we were sitting down there at the coffee shop six months ago and you said you want this and you come this far. Really, let's just take a second and appreciate that. And just really just appreciating the person for all that they've accomplished because you'd be surprised at how far you've come in the timeline that you set or whatever your goal is 
But if you're always just, I guess, in the day-to-day grind, so to speak, you don't see that progression or that build. You just see, okay, next, okay, next, okay, next. And it's just a vicious cycle inevitably leading you to burnout. So I thought a lot of the things, I guess my toolbox is taking that time to be, to have that self-awareness with two of my other friends that are also very goal-oriented and perfectionist, I guess, to appreciate that. We do that probably every couple of weeks. But in terms of day-to-day, that's something I actually really struggle with. So the mic is yours. (laughs) (laughs) I think day-to-day for me, and um, listeners would know from listening to um, previous podcasts, we have a mantra on this podcast, which is 10% better. And that for me... I've always backed the underdog. Like growing up, I used to watch the football with my dad and my dad would have, you know, like his favorite team. We're from Brisbane. So it'd be like the Brisbane Broncos, right? I would either go for the Broncos or I'd back like the underdog. And he'd be like, what's wrong with you? You trader, like, you know, like back the team where you're from. And I'm like, no, this team, like they need my support. Like they're going to lose anyway. So I think for me, I've always been someone that's kind of backed the underdog and been okay with, despite the perfectionist in me, I've always said to myself, like, just do your best or just try to get you like a B in every test. So instead of trying to force myself to be perfect, I've always taken it down a notch. So if I want to get a medal, I would say, let's just aim to get third on that podium and hit a bronze medal. Or let's just aim to be in like, you know, like get a B in all my assignments instead of aiming for that like A plus, A plus. So even myself in live today, I'll be like, I can't wait to do this podcast with Zachary today. Even if I stumble over my words and I, you know, make some mistakes or talk too quickly or whatever it might be, the fact that we did an awesome podcast together, we helped at least one person somewhere around the world and we got it up is like success for me. So I always try to think, what would the perfectionism we want to do? And then take it down one level and say to myself, if I just do that, I will be so proud of myself. And like the wins journal, I was talking about the daily wins journal. I do very much what you do and I do a a three monthly and a yearly wins journal. So I'll look back on all of the big things that I've accomplished in the last 12 months and be like, holy crap, like I did all of that in this like crazy, you know, COVID year working from home, even though I don't have any excuses because I actually do work from home permanently. <laughs> but um, just, you know, those little things where I look back on the last month or two and think, oh, I've done all of these things. That's great. That's something to celebrate. So taking the time to celebrate and just giving myself a day off and going to the beach or going for a weekend away with my husband or like something like that, that we actually celebrate that small progress. Because as you mentioned, if the goal is to, you know, complete a master's degree, with honors, you're you're slaving for you know three, four, five years, depending on what masters it is, and you get to the end of it and you're like, well, what next? And it's always that what next, what next, what next, isn't it? So I very much try and celebrate those small wins every single day and and just little things like a successful podcast to me is a massive win. I'm like, I never thought that I would be a podcaster. I was always, you know, quite shy. I never thought that I'd be in the public eye. So for me to publish a successful podcast, even though I think the episode we're recording is number 84 now, to me, that's such a huge thing for me. And I still, I will sit down and I will celebrate that. And I try not to book, you know, too many on the same day. Or I like to do sort of one podcast a week because I want give myself the whole week. And I'm like, that's for me a really, really successful week. If I've done that once, or if I've got up a a new blog or a new YouTube video or something like that, which for me is, is quite an effort or quite hard to do, which I know it is for a lot of people. So trying to, as you mentioned, celebrate those small wins along the way, I find has been the best thing for my perfectionism and trying to be almost like the underdog, like being like, I just want to finish this task. I don't have to finish in first place or something like that. So trying to bring down that perfectionism in me even before I start. So (laughs) that's sort of been helpful for me over the last couple of years. I love that. I absolutely love that. And to answer your question, you said that you wanted to help one person with this podcast. I can tell you right now, before it even airs, you helped me with the traffic light system. So 
I told you that genuinely helped me. So it's already been done. So thank you. I love that. And you actually helped me by talking about how you went live for 10 minutes. Because the funny thing is, I actually always see you going live because when you scroll down in your TikTok feed, it's at the top people that you follow that are going live. And I always think, like, I don't have as many ideas as Zach. Like, what would I talk about? And it clearly shows you that I haven't tuned into too many people's live videos. But just the fact that you're on there showing people that you're doing your laundry, I think is amazing. So I think I'm going to start doing a few more lives, even if it's just five or 10 minutes, because the perfectionist in me holds me back because I'm like, I don't have anything to talk about. Who would want to hear me? Forgetting that I don't have to go live and always be giving value. I can just go live and, and be a real person. Or I can go live while I'm making my breakfast and remind people to get in a good nourishing meal that morning if they can. So thank you. That that really helped me, I guess, even break down some of that perfectionism in me where I'm like, I have to be fully prepared to go live before I go live. <laughs> <laughs> no, that used to be me too. But yeah, you doing that, there's so, in being a real person, there's so much value in that. So that's everything. Oh, amazing. I'll be tuning in for the meals. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you've given us so much value on this podcast. I, I absolutely cannot thank you enough, but I'd love to end the podcast with giving you an opportunity to chat about um, YMM. So you mentioned that three in four suicides are from men. So I'd love to know why you created You Matter Most, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about it and how we can help you get the word out because this cause is so incredibly important. Thank you so much. So that's kind of two different questions, but I can answer the first one first. We'll talk about the suicide rate. So three and four suicides, males. Why are males have higher suicide rates? I feel like males, this is a personal perspective and people I've talked to, it can kind of attest to it. Males have less support systems. Males have less, I guess, day-to-day outlets of finding things. So I feel like it's suppressed longer. It builds up more to this ultimate breaking point of how could you do that? Or why did you do that? And I feel like That is probably one of the biggest issues, other than obviously the culture of males can't have emotions, macho men, males can't have feelings, right? Real men don't cry and all that stuff. But I think that compounded with the fact that there's no, I guess, ability to say I'm having a bad day, whether it's at work or school or on the bus or calling or texting your friends. Or I feel like females have more of a support system when it comes to that or more acceptance. So I think that is something that has really caused males. And I love when I see other males speaking on mental health because i think it's so needed so it's amazing to see especially the last year i made a lot of good friends that are males in the mental health space that have really opened my eyes up to so much so i'm very fortunate for that in regards to you matter most so i used to create videos like i said when i was in my lowest like i used to do a lot of personal things i should probably do more of them now um june july and august people would comment on videos and they'd be struggling whether they're saying struggling with stage four cancer I just lost my wife or they would drop comments and, and I would be like, what can I do on TikTok to like address this? Responding to the comment is nothing, right? Like it's so, it feels like it belittles the concern or like, I don't know, how do I address them? So what I would do is I probably once every like two, three days, I would create a video for let's say Kelly, Kelly who's struggling with cancer and chemotherapy. And I would say everyone in the chat say you matter to Kelly. So like thousands of people would comment and flutter with love. You matter, you matter, or follow her or go comment on her videos or DM her or just connect with her and show her she's not alone, right? So I would do, I did that for about a month. And then the issue was people were always saying, you matter, <laughs> like, I don't matter. I'm like, okay, <laughs> how can I make this more, I guess, uh, firm? So I'm like, okay, you matter most. <laughs> and then I started just saying YMM or you matter most people into those videos. 
And that really just stuck and snowballed. And people were getting car stickers and tattoos and crazy things that I never would have imagined that that, I guess, resonated. Because I think it's so simple and universal. You matter most is prioritizing yourself, filling your own cup first. And that's kind of like the mission statement behind the company that myself and Jake Goodman, a psychiatric resident in the States, who I've actually never met, only known him through social media, um, started with the company. So we have a clothing line to start the conversation where we donate globally to nonprofits. We have uh, a podcast does not have 84 episodes. We have five episodes so far, uh, but we have five more recorded. You Matter Most podcast. Uh, We started a scholarship for students struggling with mental health. So we're giving away thousands with that and just creating and now we're starting an ambassadorship program so my next goal with the you matter most is a you matter most ambassadorship program especially when covid dies down is to have 15 year old girls speak to 15 year old girls or 19 year old boys or young men speak to 19 year old boys because i know that their stories they relate to other ones their age way more than jake and myself ever could so it's about creating that vulnerability relatability empowerment in the school systems and having people speak and advocate from that from that standpoint. So that's something that I've been really working on. And that's kind of how I envision why I memory you matter most taking these next steps. Oh, I love it. And you guys have to do like a like a worldwide school tour or something. Firstly, you have to meet. I, I think that's an amazing <laughs> story about how people can just meet online and you feel like you've known someone forever and you can create this amazing company that changes lives worldwide and you guys have never even met before. I think that's epic. Yeah, I think that really attests to the power of social media right there. He's my best friend now. <laughs> crazy. So, so good. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and I'll make sure that I link... Um, the you matter most you guys obviously have like a website as well yep absolutely i can uh send you that link after this as well that would be amazing i'll pop that in the show notes so our listeners can go there and you mentioned there's some like clothing apparel as well so as much as we can do to help you get the word out about that it is such an important cause so we'll make sure we have all of those links in our show notes for our listeners as well amazing leanne thank you so much for having me and i hope that this provided some value to at least one listener Oh, I am absolutely sure that it will. And Zachary, finally, tell our listeners where they can reach out to you, where they can find you, follow you on social media, um, just some of your handles as well, so we can go along and give you a quick follow because your content is it's incredible and very inspiring. Thank you. Um, so on Instagram and TikTok, you can find me at MD Motivator, And that's probably the best way to find me. Or on the website, which we'll have linked at the bottom, has all the socials and all the charities that we work with as well. So you can learn more about that there. Sounds incredible. Thank you so much for your time today, Zachary. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Leanne. Bye.